0: Could I establish online and establish in person? And um, Reese's Reese Lewis's song reflects the moment, doesn't it? Like that we are a people and in a time and in a place where. be one that would bring about a better tomorrow. We just don't always know where to look. But I don't think this song is actually a song that's just for the moment, right? I actually think that this song is one that has reflected the heart and the experience of humanity the whole way down through the ages as we wrestle with the darkness, death, and destruction and just the disappointment at times when it comes to living in this world. An experience that from the beginning of time has meant that we have been dissatisfied and also then at the same time dreaming of something better. At Establish, we love uh, the word of God and we love teaching from it. Um, but you may have found that Bible reading that we read out earlier a little bit weird. Um, but really, the reason why we've read that is that I reckon that the people um, who were living in the, in the time and place when Isaiah was written, probably around about 8th century BC, were people who were dissatisfied and they were dreaming about a better tomorrow. And I reckon that if we work out how to understand that and how to get alongside their story and their song and see what it is or who it is that they were hoping for, that that will actually be something that brings you hope in this Advent series. Doesn't matter if you're here and you're 12 years of age or 120, I don't think we've got any 120 year olds and even tuning in on Facebook, um, but there's something um, in this as we understand it that actually helps us to see that we can have real hope. That it's not just something that we can find somewhere or somehow, but it's something that we can find actually in the person of Jesus. And in Isaiah 9, um, we see that we can have hope in a guaranteed future through a glorious Son. So, two points today hope in a guaranteed future. You know, in Isaiah 9, God's people um, basically found themselves in this stage, right, where they were on the brink of a full military takeover from the Assyrians. And if you don't know anything about the Assyrians, they were like the superpower of the day. If they wanted to take somewhere over, they just went, we're going there. And they rolled over the top of everybody. And they just took it because they were so strong and powerful. And because of their constant rebellion against God, God had actually turned his back on them. And and despite that though, and the story of the Bible is that despite the fact that God's people had turned their back on him and they were just about to be rolled over, um, that God actually kept on showing them grace upon grace upon grace. He kept on warning them of what might happen. They continued to disobey him. And then they just find themselves in this place where they were just profoundly dissatisfied. In fact, I don't know if you heard the words that were in that Bible passage. Maybe you can open it up in Isaiah. And and they were in a place of distress and darkness. In fact, just the chapter before in chapter eight, verse 22, the way that Isaiah describes their experience in that moment was a time of thick, darkness. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. A hopelessness that actually left them wondering whether or not the dream of God blessing them the way that he had promised would actually ever come to pass. A hopelessness that actually would have left them questioning whether or not God had completely abandoned them. And if he just was kinda not good for his promises. We don't expect that everybody who rocks up to establish actually knows the story of the Bible at all, but um, let me just help you with this a little bit. Basically, the story of the Bible is one where God promises lots of blessings to people and particular things along the way, right? He promises that he will actually be with them, He promises that he would give the people of Israel a king and then that there would be a descendant from a king called King David who would be God's son and that this son would come along and basically establish a kingdom of peace. And that when he would come along, all of the problems and all of the challenges and all of the darkness and distress would actually be done away with. And they would move from a place of dissatisfaction, distress, and darkness into a time of peace. But then you have them here sitting in the midst of just deep darkness. And God meets them. And his answer is clear. Have a look at verse one. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Now, do you see what's going on here, right? You know, they're in distress and they're wondering whether or not God had actually abandoned them. But God comes along and he meets them and speaks to them through the prophet Isaiah. And he actually gives them a hope of a guaranteed future. It's really interesting here, right? Because he doesn't just say, like, Reese Lewis, all you need to do is hold on. Or All you need to do is maybe just maybe in your own strength, just grip on, and maybe you might have some hope in the future. No. The hope that he's talking about here is something that is guaranteed. It's a hope that would bring them no more gloom. It's a future where their land would not be humbled, which is actually nearly just like a euphemism for crushed, but honored. A hope that turns darkness into light, that brings blessing and rejoicing, the kind of hope that rescues people from slavery. A hope in the future that is surprisingly spoken in the present tense. Now, if you open up your Bible, you'll see this very, very clearly. You know, it's future honoring this promise that God gives his people. But when you look at it in verse two, you see that it's spoken in the present tense. You see, people are walking in darkness. They have seen a great light. A light has dawned. Now, why do you think that might be written in the present? Don't worry, this isn't a grammar English lesson. I wouldn't be the person to give it to you anyway because I'm Irish, but um, here's the reason why it's written in that way. It's that where this might be talking about a future promise, it's written in the present because it's as good as done. You see... What's the result of God speaking in the Bible? Do you know? When God speaks, stuff happens, doesn't it? When God said, let there be light, boom, there was light. When God spoke his promises to Abraham, an old man and his barren wife, Sarah, and said, hey, do you know what, guys? You are gonna have descendants as many as the stars. When he spoke that, boom, what happened? well for sure you know they had to trust in him and certain things had to happen and whatever sarah's womb that was barren needed to open up at the age of 96 or whatever it should, whatever she was but you get the picture right god speaks and it happens i will rescue you out of the land of egypt Boom, Moses takes God's people out of Egypt under the slavery of one of the biggest superpowers, the biggest superpower of the day, and he rescues them from that. And even the Red Sea doesn't get in the way. You get it? When God speaks, stuff happens. So much so that even though this is a future hope for God's people, it's a guaranteed future hope. God hasn't abandoned them. And in fact, what he's doing here is reiterating his promise to them that despite their rebellion, God would still bless them. God would still bring about this hope that they were looking for. But note that this hope, right, isn't necessarily just in the future deliverance where God will come in and shatter the yoke of the Assyrians, It's actually so much bigger than that. And that's one of the challenges for us, isn't it? When we're sitting in our own darkness and distress and despair, is that we often kind of look and and, and see that maybe what we're looking at is something that we want God to fix just in our own sphere. And we fail to see that where God cares for us in those moments, that there's actually also much bigger things that are going on and much bigger promises in his sovereignty that he is playing out. But it's so much bigger than that as well. Because you see, this promise of a guaranteed future is something that comes through a glorious son. And and this son, who we know obviously as jesus because we're talking about christmas and whatever here and but this son that they're hoping for will be someone who will bring about justice and righteousness not just for people's individual distress and darkness although he will do that but actually that he will bring about justice and righteousness for all people forever did you see that in verse seven But the thing is, if he's going to do something quite as massive as that, then he needs to not just be any old son. He needs to be a glorious son that's actually been given to him, but given to us by God himself. If he's actually going to be someone who brings justice and righteousness into this world forever, then he needs to be the kind of son that can shine light into darkness Not just the darkness caused by the Egyptians or the Assyrians or whoever it might be, but actually the darkness that's caused by a much bigger enemy that we read about in the story of the Bible, the enemy of death and sin. Because you see, I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the reasons why Reese Lewis's song really echoes a song of humanity down through the ages is because um, actually of this thing that the Bible calls sin. Where we as a people have turned our back on a God who brings light and love and life to this world. And as a result of us kind of going our own way, we walk into darkness. And there's something about this thing that the Bible calls sin that taints all of our human experience in such a way that means that we often sit at the receiving end of suffering and darkness and also at the giving end. Because we ultimately rebelled against our creator God, our experience is one where we experience darkness, dissatisfaction, distress, distress times where we just do not know where to go, times of hopelessness. And and the thing is, God promises here, in the midst of this, for these people, regardless of the rebellion that has gone along, he actually promises hope in the midst of that. But it's a hope that doesn't just deal with their present plight. It's a hope that actually deals with their future plight. It deals with so much more than just that. And this is why he'll be a glorious son, right? And he'll have a glorious name. He will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, prince of peace. And and his name tells us more about what we ought to expect of this son, right? He will be a son who has wisdom from heaven, a wisdom that will actually lead to peace not just a peace between people or peace in your heart, as important as that is, but actually peace between God and man. That that fractured relationship will indeed be mended and the result of that will be no more death, it will result in rejoicing. And this is why um, he will be a son that will have the kind of might and needs to be the son that can have the kind of might To bring about such a glorious future because that's what we want isn't it when we sit in our human experience and we wrestle with the tough stuff we want to see the distress death and darkness gone don't we but for that to happen this son that's promised this son that we may have hope in needs to be none other than god himself he needs to have the kind of might that God might have. And and that's why Jesus is called Mighty God. That's why this son is called Mighty God. You know, this son would have to have the kind of might that could calm a storm just by his words. He would have to have the kind of might that could heal the sick and raise the dead. He'd have to have the kind of might that even though he might die on a cross and be buried in a tomb, that he would rise again. He will be the prince, you see, who will multiply and, and who will rule and who will see his kingdom extend to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And if he's going to do that, and he needs to be a pretty glorious son, doesn't he? Now, here's the thing with this. I think when we look at this even just at this moment, that this means that we actually don't need to just have hope in a possibility of a better tomorrow. I love that song, by the way. I think it really speaks to my to my heart. But it's somewhat empty, isn't it? Just this flimsy weak hope that we might have that maybe just maybe tomorrow might be better that's not the kind of hope that's being talked about here. Because you see, the hope that's being talked about here is one that is firmly built on the mighty God, on Jesus. And that means that you can build your life on that hope, whatever it is that you're going through today. Now, how can I say that? And how can I say that it's Jesus from this? Well, you know I mean? If you've been around Christmas any length of time, you might know. and um, But if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter one, in verse 28, and where we get the doctor, Luke, one of the disciples, he comes along and he uh, writes an orderly account of a child who would be basically born and that that child would be born to a mother named Mary. And this is what it says. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, if you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be, listen to these words, great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now, Gabriel here doesn't use the names found in Isaiah word for word, and that's because actually Jesus has got many names in the Bible and is referred to in many different ways. But do you see the connection here between Luke and Isaiah 9, particularly in verse 7? Have a listen. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is talking about the Son, right? He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Like why else did the birth of a boy back in Nazareth, like just a tumble town, a deadbeat kind of place, according to the Bible? how come the birth of a son there in that place over 2,000 years ago turned all of history on its head? If it wasn't for the fact that this Jesus was indeed the glorious son that was being talked about in Isaiah. Why else did the message of the birth of a child actually continue to enlarge and multiply and spread in such a way that people came from all over to see a baby? I mean, babies are cute but it has to be something more, right? It has to be that this child was the one who would bring light to the world. The light had dawned. And and as a result of the coming of Jesus, darkness had started to recede into the background. And, And those are claims, actually, that, by the way, Jesus made himself. And when he gets a little bit older, he didn't speak as a baby. He did all of the same things that babies do, right? But in John chapter 8, verse 12, um, he says basically that the light, that he was the light of the world, and that whoever walks with him will not walk in darkness, but in the light of life. What a great promise. Now, had God abandoned his people? Had he forgotten his promises to the the people way back here in in Isaiah? No. And, And the birth of Jesus of Nazareth over 2,000 years ago shows us that God actually remembered and kept his promise. Now, why should you care about that? Why should I care about that? Why should we care about that if we're tuning in online? What's that actually got to do with us? Well, here, I just want to give you a few things and that I think is important for us. You see, if it's Jesus, um, if this Jesus who we celebrate at Christmas is actually the son mentioned in Isaiah 9, then as we celebrate his birth, that is actually a reminder for us that we can have hope in a tomorrow that we all want. And that we can actually have real hope. Hope in a future where there is no more darkness, distress, death, A future where there will be no more tears, no more depression, no more violence against women, no more pain, no more segregation, no more sidelining, no more injustice, no more slavery, no more death. But instead, we can have confidence in a hope of a world where there will be righteousness and rejoicing forever with God. I think it also means actually that God cares. Now, I've been at length before to say to you that that God actually has got bigger plans as he's thinking about these promises unfolding. But the reality is that when we look at this, I think that what it shows us is that God actually cares. He actually cares about the darkness, distress, and death in this world. He actually cares about the darkness, death, darkness, let me try that again. Distress and death, not just in this world in a big sense, but actually in your lives. And, and I think Reese in that song really helps us to enter into um, the, just the disappointment that that can be for us. But I think this passage really helps us. Like if God, the person who created the world and everything in it, that we rebelled, who we rebelled against, actually decided that he would come off his throne and be incarnate as the God-man in this world so that he can identify with us in our weakness and so that he can actually reconcile us back to God, that shows us that he cares because he actually didn't need to do that, right? He could have just left us doing whatever we were doing. But the story of Christmas gives us hope because it shows us that that was not the case shows us that he did do something and he will keep his promises now (laughs) i don't like thinking about christmas until probably about the week before right but is your hope at the moment and this christmas in jesus In whatever death and destruction and distress that you're going through right now is your hope in jesus Are you walking with him? Have you made him your Lord and your Savior? And and if you haven't, then I actually want to invite you to accept the greatest gift that you can ever accept this Christmas and accept Jesus. Find true hope in him. Don't keep searching for something or somehow that maybe tomorrow there might be hope. Find it in the person of Jesus. Third thing, Um, if you trust in Jesus, right, and he is your Lord and your Savior, then that actually means that he is the prince of peace for you. And we're going to look at this a little bit more tomorrow, Um, but that means that he has actually reconciled you to God the Father. And that means that you no longer need to have the fear that we might have around that relationship because that is something that is secure And if he has brought you into a relationship with him as a Christian, what that means is that you can be confident that he will see you through to the end. You're gonna have real hope in a real future. And we're gonna look at that more tomorrow. Fourthly, I've got five things. There's two more to go. Um, His incarnation, which is basically just a big word to say that God became man, actually also means for us, right, I think, that you can trust him in whatever it is that you're going through today. Whatever it is that you're walking through. No matter how hard it is. That one day he will actually bring you ultimate rest. Ultimate peace. Ultimate hope. Ultimate relationship. And we need that today, don't we? So as we sit in this Advent period where we remember the anticipation of the hope right? that's found in Jesus and we sit in the reality of the fact that we're not gonna see that come to full fruition until he returns. Let me encourage you to maybe just pray one simple prayer every day for the next Advent period rather than eating a chocolate or maybe when you're eating a chocolate, give thanks to God for the chocolate and pray this, right? Here it is. Thank you, God, that you give me real hope in your son. Help me in the challenge and darkness to keep trusting you. It doesn't take long, but I reckon if we pray that every day, we're going to see and believe and feel that hope all the more. Because it's true. Last thing. And this is something that we easily miss, right? And what will happen to the kingdom of this son that is talked about here? Well, you'll see in verse three that the kingdom of this son will continue to be enlarged and will continue to multiply. In other words, from his coming until his return, his kingdom will keep on expanding. Or the way that Isaiah puts it is that his government will continue to grow. Which really means that what will happen is as he brings about this glorious future is that more and more people Will come to know him as their king as more and more people put their trust in him. So, just like we see in the book of Acts, God's kingdom multiplies and it grows and it grows and it grows. In fact, right, it's multiplied even to Australia, but it's going to keep on multiplying. Have a look at 1 Peter or 2 Peter 3. Because you see, Peter actually tells us that this kingdom of Jesus in many ways will keep on multiplying until he returns. In fact, the thing that he does say is that one of the reasons why Jesus is withholding his return is so that he might be patient with us so that more people might repent and turn around and put their trust in God. In other words, we're sitting in a moment where we can be confident of the hope that God brings, that until he returns, his kingdom is going to keep on multiplying. More people are going to keep on putting their trust in him. His church is going to keep on spreading, even amongst the hardest people that you might consider. That it might even spread to your friends, your family, your work colleagues, your enemies. In fact, at the moment, this Christmas, people are yearning, right, for hope. I don't know what your Facebook feed looks like, but that's what mine looks like. They're crying out for real hope. And I think they're crying out for real hope in a way that hasn't really happened in Australia for a long time. Actually seeing that a lot of the hopes that they had before have been shattered. Now, we've mentioned this a few times, but I want to just finish with giving you a couple of a key statistics from a bit of research that has come out recently that I hope will give you hope that God's kingdom will continue to spread even here, right? Now, according to a study carried out by um, Mark McCrindle um, called Australia's Changing Spiritual Climate, right? And um, what they're seeing is that even though Australia in many ways is becoming more secular, in other words, people saying that they are of no religion or not influenced by it, that COVID has changed something, right? According to the study, and if we can get this um, up on the screen, since COVID, during the pandemic, almost half of Australians have thought more about the meaning of life or their own mortality. A third of Australians have thought more about God, while like three in 10 have actually prayed more. That's something we're seeing in the UK. That's something we're seeing in America. More people have been thinking about the meaning of life, God, and even reading the Bible. And it's no surprise then, right, that this has changed. And this is a direct quote. We just have the next one up, Tim. Two-thirds of Australians are likely to attend a church service either online or in person if personally invited by a friend or a family member. That's something that's changed. Three in 10 Australians are extremely likely or very likely to attend church, a church service online or in person if they were invited by a family member, 31% and 33% respectively. Now that gives me hope. Does that give you hope? I mean, statistics don't give us hope in and of themselves, but against the backdrop of this truth that we have, where we can have hope in Jesus that ought to give us hope that God's promises will continue. You know, last week I shared with you guys that I think what we needed at the moment as a church was, one, was a, a moment where we were sitting in the middle of the tough and that what we needed to do was trust that God will continue to build his church. But I also said that the way that he would do that was through his spirit-filled people, right? Through us. And I actually also think there's a second part of that message that I communicated last week, and it's this. I think God is giving us, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the the weird of regathering back together again, I think he has given us, not just established church, but the church in Australia, the church in the Shire, a great opportunity here to hold out the hope of Jesus to a world that desperately needs it, to a country that's desperately changing, to a country that can only sing Reese Lewis's song and not the song of Jesus. And you have that hope. You can share that hope. And I want to encourage you that maybe to just start praying for your mates again if you've dropped that off. Have a crack at inviting some of your mates that maybe you've invited a hundred times before because who knows, they may be one of those 33%. Even invite them along to our Christmas gathering not so that we can beef up numbers, not so that we can give ourselves a pat on the back, but because if you have hope in Jesus, you have got hope for the world. You have got hope for your friends, hope for your family, hope for your community, hope for your school, all because we can have a guaranteed hope in this person, Jesus. I'm going to pray. And um, Father God, I thank you um, so much that we can look at even kind of quite strange and complex uh, parts of the Bible, like the book of Isaiah, and see how it relates to our experience. Holy Spirit, I pray um, that you wouldn't just um, give us information today, that we wouldn't just hear sound bites, but that you would work your truth deep into our hearts in such a way that brings about transformation. Holy Spirit, would you give um, those today who are in deep distress, hope? Would you help them to see that because you've kept your promises from the beginning and you will keep on keeping your promises until the end, would you give them hope in your son, Jesus? And I pray, Lord, that as we do that and as we live out the hope that we have as a community, that that might be something that may transform the people around us, the communities around us, and indeed this entire nation. And we know, Lord, that we can trust you, that your kingdom will keep on building and keep on building. And we thank you for that. Amen.